Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, interesting week. Every week's interesting. I wish we would have a week where nothing is interesting because this is mental turmoil we are all experiencing. Uh, this has to be, for most of us, a very difficult time. Uh, many are quarantined. People aren't working. They're not going out. Uh, it's sort of a different way of life. This happens to be my 41st day of self-quarantine. I've got to be honest. It hasn't bothered me except for one day early on. Other than that, you know, I've got my the show. I've got my blog I write every day. I do a podcast three or four times a week on Facebook. Otherwise, I'm working on three books that I'm never going to finish and been working at for several years. So I keep myself busy, and I throw in a, a nap every now and then, and I'm fine. Uh, but overall, these are difficult times, and difficult things are happening, and hard things and strange things, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And during the course of the evening, we're going to be in Georgia, Michigan, Florida, Illinois, Harvard University, Washington, D.C., China, Saudi Arabia, and Russia. I want to start with politicians. Uh, I'm an older man. I'm an old man. I'm 84. Uh, I seem to be in pretty good shape. God blesses me why I don't know. But then my dad lived to 98, his father to 94, so I guess I'm going to be around here for a while. Uh, Be that as it may, I I have noticed over the course of my uh, life, my professional career as a lawyer, that most politicians were hacks. They were inept, they were incompetent, and they happened to achieve in the political world and if, I, I, I thought as I went along, uh, I determined that most politicians really didn't have much on the ball. And that's what we're seeing right now uh, with Donald Trump, for example. Probably the most inept, incompetent, perhaps mentally unbalanced president the United States has ever seen. And when they work on that list again of who was the best president, and they put them up in the order, one, two, three, four, five, guess who is going to hold them all up? Guess who's he's the contractor. He's going to be in the foundation at the bottom of the list. He's going to be the worst president ever. He's going to be right there holding everyone else up. Now, we've had some very good presidents. Uh, you know, getting into modern times, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Harry Truman, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, Jack Kennedy, Ronald Reagan. And I'll stop there for the moment. I want to say this. I remember reading, oh, early on in my life, uh, that greatness, greatness uh, happens to an individual, whether male or female, uh, because something occurs. There is an incident in their lives that they either do the right thing or they do the wrong thing, and if they do the right thing and they super achieve, they are considered a great person. Now, our greatest president is Abraham Lincoln. I agree with it, and I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, would agree. I mean, the man, after all, he took on that civil war, and he handled it effectively and well. Uh, On the other hand, suppose there was no civil war. Uh, 
He would have been a president, probably a good president, but not a great president. It's the event that makes the man. It gives that person the opportunity to show what they have, whether they have it on the ball or not. Now, that's why I say Trump isn't doing well. He hasn't done well with anything in three and a half years, and I think he's uh, screwing up the coronavirus pandemic royally, as well as he screwed up our relationships with just about every country in the world. Our friends are no longer our friends, and our enemies are becoming our friends. I, I just can't understand this. Be that as it may, let's talk about governors for a moment, because those are the ones, uh, in addition to Trump, that are coming into prominence with regard to the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, let's start with Andrew Cuomo, New York's governor. Got to tell you something. I'm a former New York resident though I've been a resident here in Florida now for 25 years. Uh, I knew his father. I knew him personally. Uh, not greatly, but I knew him personally. Uh, if we met, it was hello, Lewis. We've had a couple of drinks together on occasion. Uh, and he was a great man. He could have been a great president, I thought. But he decided not to run. Now, his son, Andrew, I never gave a thought to. You know, the son of a, an, uh, someone who was very good, followed in his father's footsteps. This is his moment. This is Andrew Cuomo's time. This coronavirus epidemic in New York is showing this kid. He's a kid. He's 50-something, 56, I think. He's got it on the ball. He's Abraham Lincoln. He, the situation is here, a very bad situation. He has to handle it in this state, and you can't argue. He's handling it well. He's showing he's got the talents, the talent to be a president. Won't be this time around because the situation's already committed to Biden. But down the road, he's still young enough. Uh, he will be, and he'll make a great president. Now let's talk about two other governors now. Uh, one is DeSantis. He is governor of Florida. He is a Republican. Both of these men are Republicans, by the way. And I'm not going to talk nasty about them because they're Republicans. I'm going to talk nasty about them because they're absolutely inept, useless, etc. <clears throat> DeSantis is governor of Florida. Uh, he is very close to Donald Trump. They're personal friends. And the reason why is DeSantis does absolutely everything Trump wants him to do. He dances to Trump's tune all the time. He is Trump's lapdog. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, th this is a harsh, harsh description of the man, but it's totally accurate. Florida, and this is well known if you follow the news on this issue, Florida, we get the most aid from Washington from Trump with regard to the coronavirus epidemic. And the reason why is because DeSantis stands at attention every time not only he sees the president, but his name is mentioned. Uh, now, to show you, uh, and I'm going to get into this during the course of the evening here, uh, how inept I think he is. He gave the, he, nobody could go to the beaches in Florida. We're known for our beaches, could go to the beaches uh, because of the epidemic. Uh, he gave permission this past week to uh, the local political leaders, mayors and so forth, to open the beaches if they wanted to. Uh, 
which I thought was pure idiocy, pure stupidity. And the president, the mayor of Jacksonville, Florida, which is the northern part of Florida, opened the beaches. And you saw on the Internet, you've seen pictures, you've seen on TV, thousands of people went to the beaches. I can't understand this. I mean, they're walking hand in hand, they're swimming, they're playing wiffle ball or whatever it is, volleyball, body to body, no six feet between these people, okay? The only thing they couldn't do was lie on the beach, the rules said, and they didn't. Uh, Now, they're going to get sick, some of these people. Four to six weeks from now, there's going to be an upsurge in the number of uh, people coming down with the virus in the Jacksonville area. Now, the reason he did it, the reason he did this to is he says people have to exercise, and they have a right to exercise on the beaches, and that's why I want the beaches open so people can exercise. Well, I want to say this to you, too. We have beaches in the Florida Keys. Our beaches are closed. Not one beach has been opened in the Florida Keys All of our local representatives have said, no way, absolutely no way, because they're all going to congregate, the tourists, the residents, and we're going to have a higher rate of uh, coronavirus than we have. I'm going to tell you how protective we are here in the Keys. We put a roadblock up about two weeks ago, okay, at the entrance to the Keys, 140 miles north of Key West, uh, just uh, just above Key Largo. And the sheriff's department is there. The, I forget who else. The state police, some another group of authorities, local police people, not not the state police. Local police departments also guarding the route. There's only one way in U.S. One, guarding the road in. And if you are not a resident, you're not getting in here. And they've kept them out because we don't want the virus here. Okay. Now, be that as it may, the governor I really want to talk about tonight is the one you've been hearing about and reading about the past few days. It's Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia. Brian Kemp of Georgia. Uh, This guy's nuts. (laughs) I I think he's worse than Trump. Uh, He he, he has, he's he's with this, you know, he, he doesn't believe in any of the things, you know, keep your distance, stay at home. Uh, anything's like this. He, you know, he just doesn't believe in it. And he's part of this, let's return to work, because Donald Trump wants to return people to return to work. Uh, however, the interesting thing is, uh, and you have to understand first, Georgia is a state that's having some problems with the virus. So far, there have been 19,884 uh, virus, coronavirus cases in Georgia, and 802 of them have resulted in death. So, not kid stuff for Georgia. Uh, but he told the mayors and he told the people of Georgia and the businesses, I'm going to open you up. There's no reason for this. He doesn't even believe it's a problem. It's like a hoax to him. And I'm using the proper description here. And here's what he wants. He's opening up this Friday. Guess what he's opening up, this guy? Nail salons, massage therapists, keep six feet distance, bowling alleys, gyms. Sunday, go back to church, folks. Sit next to each other. Pack the churches. God wants you. He's going to get you. Some of you are going to come down with the virus. And on Monday, he's opening the restaurants 
and this is a good one, the movie theaters. Take your girlfriend to the movies, your boyfriend to the movies, your husband, your wife, your children. You're all going to sit together, share the same popcorn bag, and some of you are going to get sick, and maybe some of you are going to die. Uh, This is a very aggressive move. It's the most aggressive move yet in any state in the union. Interestingly, the businesses, some of these businesses that he says can open, nail salons, massage therapists, etc., refuse to open. They think it's too early. The people operating these small businesses are smarter than this political hack, the governor of, I said they were hacks, the, the governor of Georgia, okay? They say it's common sense not to open yet. So that's the story there, which now brings me to the people who are protesting. We saw it in Michigan. We've seen it in several other states uh, this past weekend and last week. And, and they all want to return to work, return to work. Uh, and they're in the streets. Uh, and who are they? We have to know who these people are who are out there protesting because it's important to know who the people on the street are, who the people who are supporting them with money are, what's their purpose, are they being taken advantage of? There are things we have to know. Well, take a look at it. Think of what I'm going to say. Basically, the people themselves who are protesting are grassroots groups, grassroots groups of people, small business owners generally, small business owners. They are conservatives at heart, considered conservative activists, okay? They're not wealthy. The people with the money above them, the wealthy conservatives, uh, the corporations, the people of individual wealth are the ones who pay for them to have these various conservative activist groups they belong to and pay for the buses to take them to wherever they're going to go to protest and help them organize and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I think that Trump is inciting violence, okay, by encouraging people, as he did this past weekend and last weekend, to liberate, okay, their states. He said, liberate your states. Go to work. That's what you want. You should do it, okay? And people defied the orders that had come up because of the coronavirus, saying, Uh, that they couldn't do certain things. But you have to understand, these people in the street are the little people, the little guys in our society. They are a proud people, okay, who probably have cabin fever because they've been staying in, like Lewis has been staying in. They haven't gotten cabin fever, but they have cabin fever, I'm assuming. And they want their life back. They want their life where they got up at a certain time every day. They went to work where they were working for somebody or had a mom and pa grocery store or a luncheonette with 10 employees. Uh, they want that life back. They miss it. They need the cash flow, too. They have children. They've got to put food on the table. They have mortgages to pay, car payments to make. They want their life back. They don't have their life. These are the people who are in the street. They're the little people. Now, Why are these people protesting? Well, they want their lives back. I've already said that to you. And you've seen them. What do they do when they're on the street? Well, a lot of them carry automatic rifles, okay? Some carry American flags, some Confederate flags, some signs that they wave, 
with swastikas on the signs, swastikas on the signs, okay? Uh, also, they chant. In Lansing, Michigan, they, you know, they wanted Governor Whitmer. She, she's a, a, a female. Uh, they were chanting like they did with regard to Hillary Clinton at one time. Lock up the governor. Lock up the governor. And they're not happy with just locking up the governor who said you got to stay quarantined or in lockdown in your home. They also want to lock up the top infectious disease experts in the country who recommend this, like Dr. Fauci. Okay? Uh, you know, they want him in jail, too. Lock them up. And they're shouting this. Uh, that's that's who these people are. But I don't. They don't understand. And I can't be the only one who's going to say what I'm going to say or thinks this way. What are they really protesting for? Cat, because they got cabin fever. Because they want to open their businesses up again. Because they want to go to church. Uh, they want their lives back. What they don't understand and what they don't know is they are protesting for the right to catch coronavirus. You heard me. They're protesting for the right to catch coronavirus. And I say with the, this group, too, watch in four to six weeks. There's gonna, the number's going to go up, not down, in the Lansing, Michigan area. Now, there are some jokes that have arisen. Not very many are funny about the, the virus, COVID-19. Uh, but one of them amuses me. I don't know if it will amuse you. Uh, anyhow, this is a joke that is, as I read it, uh, the article said it was circulating in Europe. It goes as follows. What borders on stupidity? I repeat, what borders on stupidity? The answer, Mexico and Canada. Think now. What borders on stupidity? Mexico and Canada. What's in the middle of Mexico and Canada? That's <laughs> we're the stupid ones, and they are correct because we got Donald Trump for president. Okay, here. Uh, let's see here. Okay, where am I here? Florida, 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 Florida. Florida. Oh, oh, oh! I already told you about the beaches. Uh, Got to keep the beaches closed. He's opened them up to Sanis. Uh, I want to talk about another governor. Andrew Cuomo has proven himself to be a person of competence uh, during this time of turmoil. There's another governor also who's come to the forefront. Cuomo, for some reason, gets more publicity. Uh, this fellow is equally as good, hasn't gotten the same publicity for whatever reason. But it's Illinois Governor Pritzker. Pritzker. Now, he's a billionaire, okay? Uh, he ran for office. He became elected governor. Nobody knew about him. Well, here's the story on him and coronavirus. Uh, Chicago and the state of Illinois are hit hard. They can't get medical supplies. The same problem every state has, except for Florida. We get anything we want from the president because our governor is DeSantis, who sucks up to the president. Anyhow. Uh, he couldn't get anything. He needs medical supplies. And uh, most of them come from China that we need, as you all, are all well aware. So he was not, and uh, the White House was not making him happy. So what he did was this. Very quietly, he's a former businessman. He went out on his own. 
and he found everything he needed. These were PPEs. He needed gloves. He needed masks. Masks. Uh, he needed uh, all kinds of tubing for machinery. Everything he needed that he couldn't get through Washington, he found in China, and he bought it. Not with his own money. The state's going to pay for it, but he found it in China. Now, he didn't want Trump to know he had found this stuff because Trump, he feared, would grab this stuff before it got to him in Illinois and take it. He's been known to do that in certain situations in the past here. So what he did was he hired, he chartered two airplanes to bring these goods that were very much needed from China to Chicago. The two planes, the cost of chartering those two planes was $1.7 million. But they were needed. He spent the money, he committed the money because he wanted those medical supplies. He needed them. And the reason he kept it quiet again was out of fear that Trump would seize the cargo for Trump's alleged federal stockpile. Uh, he's already gotten one shipment in. The next one's due this week, plane number two. If the news is out. Trump hasn't said anything to him. He don't doesn't know if they're going to let him keep the second plane worth of goods. I'm going to tell you this. It'll be a major war if Trump gets involved because this guy's like Cuomo. And here's what he had to say. Here's what Governor Pritzker had to say. And I quote, regarding the cost of the plane, China, and everything. We had to search the entire globe. We had to search the entire globe to find what we need. Shipping is very difficult. Obviously, if it costs $1.7 million for two cargo ships, the planes to fly here. He told CNN also, the governor, that he had, and I quote, given up on receiving help from the Trump administration. He had given up on receiving help from the Trump administration. So Trump keeps saying the governor's got to do it. Cuomo's been doing it, and Pritzker did it. Governor's got to do it. They did it. Good men. Good men. Okay, want to talk to you about Harvard University. This is one that's hard to believe. I wrote about this in my blog yesterday or Sunday. I can't remember which day it was. Um, We have the stimulus package that's been passed and made into law, the $2.3 million one. The Senate today passed the next one, which is only $484 billion, a mere pittance compared to the $2.3 trillion. Now, you recall the $2.3 trillion was primarily to help the small businessman. Well, along the way, the small businessman got screwed, and the money went to the big guys <laughs> because the bankers had no relationship to the, the guy who only had two or three employees. He didn't even have a, a regular checking account. Uh, and they didn't do business with them. They took care of people who people who were doing big business with them, some as much as a million dollars a year. They took care of them, made sure they were first in line to get the small business loans. And all that money, not the 2.3 in total, but the portion for small business, all went to the big guys, none to the little guys for whom it was intended. Part of this money, the stimulus money, Guess who it went to? It went to colleges and universities. 
there $40.9 billion of the $2.3 trillion, sounds like a small amount, $40.9 billion. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, eight, what the hell's the number here? Harvard University received $8.7 million in federal aid under the $2.3 trillion stimulus bill passed, and most of the money, or a good portion of the money, went to small businesses. Now, doesn't sound quite, quite right. All right, nine, I got my numbers. I got so many numbers in front of me. $14 billion of the $2.3 trillion stimulus package went to colleges and universities. $14 billion. Out of that $14 billion, Harvard University received $8.7 million. Now, they ain't a small business, and it's hard to see where they were in trouble financially for this reason. They have an endowment, and endowments like the savings account money contributed by alumni and other people to the university over the years and money from whatever source. And Harvard is one of the richest universities in the country. They're either first or second. Some years first, the other years it's either Yale or Princeton. I don't know where they are this year, one or two. But they're up there. And their endowment this year is $40.9 billion. That, in effect, is what they have in the bank. $40.9 billion. Up $1 billion from last year. In addition, in addition, don't forget, Universities, colleges, they run like businesses, and they like to have a surplus, a profit at the end of the year. Well, Harvard, for fiscal year 2019, had an operating surplus, an operating profit of, listen to this, $298 million. God bless them. They run a good business. $298 million. And they get $8.7 million in federal stimulus aid. Well, hard to understand. Now this thing hit over the weekend, the news about it. Oh, my God, this is terrible. I am not a fan of Education Secretary DeVos, Betsy DeVos. Uh, she's one of those rich, rich people that support, like in Michigan, the activists on the street. She's got a group that finances them, amongst others. And she shocked me. This woman, woman, her husband inherited Amway money. She inherited something to do with car parts out of Detroit. These people don't work. They, they, they live off of what they inherited. Two years ago, she and her husband purchased a 164-foot yacht <laughs> cost them $40 million. Her family, she's got brothers, sisters, and everything else, own 10 yachts worldwide. This is money, people. And she said, and she shocked me because I'm not her fan, but she, she was right this time. She was concerned. She said, and I quote, sending millions, okay, to schools with significant endowments is a poor use of taxpayer money poor use of taxpayer money. Well, Harvard has been asked to give back the money. They have not made up their mind yet. I'm inclined to think they are. Problems going to arise. A lot of colleges and universities got money. Uh, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but it, 
it, it's, isn't it hard to understand why our senators and our congresspeople and our president would give money in the millions of dollars to Harvard University, who has an endowment of $40 billion, okay? <laughs> and they made $298 million profit last year. Uh, they don't need the money. <laughs> I don't. I thought this was for people who needed money. People who needed that $1,200 check to buy groceries, okay, to put food on the table, make their mortgage payment, make their car payment. Don't understand these things. I, very simply and very quickly, because my time's running out here tomorrow. Who do we belong to? Who does tomorrow belong to? You know, we knew what our his, we know what our history was. <laughs> We know what it is today under Donald Trump. Tomorrow, who's going to run the world? Who's going to run this country? It's either going to be Trump and his followers on the street, or it's going to be those affluent conservatives and their donors or the liberals. I think it's, even if the liberals take over in November, the Democrats, it's going to be the affluent conservatives and donors for a number of years to come. We're in a war right now, my friends, and it's not the virus war I'm talking about. We are in a war for the soul of the United States. Now, that's my story for this week. I got a lot more, but I've run out of time. Uh, I thank you for joining me. Uh, please read my blog. I do one every morning, twestlew.com. If you like this show, you'll love the blog. It'll take you less time to read it. It'll only take you two or three minutes and a half hour to listen to me here tonight. I also do a podcast several days a week in the afternoon on Facebook. It runs 24 hours a day forever. What bugs me today under the name of Key West Lou. So, again, I thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you every week. I love doing the show. Talk to you again next week.